and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. It's Monday, I'm in the studio with Jilly Blatty, Jesse Parker Humphreys and producer Becky. Becky, first up, mm. I want you to shout out the meme that someone sent us <laughs> yesterday <laughs> when we were at Lewis Manchester United, which we're going to talk about very shortly. But we went on a big day out to the South Coast and... We were on the way there, or when we got to the ground, was it, Becky? You went into your DM request on Instagram. and off Five minutes before kickoff. Five minutes before kickoff. Perfect timing. Pre-match entertainment. Pre-match entertainment. Obviously, on Thursday's show, we talked about Millie Bright falling asleep while having a tattoo. <laughs> Jilly, have you seen this on TikTok? No. Well, I have a picture for you <laughs> so, so I can show you. Last week on Thursday's show, we talked about this TikTok video. That's can't Millie... believe Jilly didn't listen to the show. It's <laughs> very, very busy, guys. I'm catching up today. Um, Millie Bright fell asleep while getting a latest addition to her sleeve. Yeah. Like, actually fell asleep while someone was tattooing her. And we were talking about Thierry Henry, and the L'Equipe translation was talking about the French Football Federation dreaming of having Thierry Henry as their manager. And we talked about, is Millie Bright dreaming about Thierry Henry while she's sleeping and having that tattoo? And someone made us the meme of Thierry Henry in a little sleep bubble (laughs) on Millie Bright's head. And Becky will post that later. But it's art. It is really art. I just like that the the fans are coming through, the listeners are coming <laughs> yeah, through. Yeah, they really with, are. With our meme request. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, you've got a couple of tattoos. Would you ever fall asleep? No, do you know what, right? I've got one behind my ear. Yeah. Um, which is the Virgo star sign. And it was actually so therapeutic getting it there. Like oh. I was just sat up and I could have easily have gone to sleep. I'd have thought yeah. that like your really head would painful. be shaking. Yeah, no. Right in your skull. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's like, no, like this, that soft, like, right behind your ear where it's like basically bone. But it was actually really nice. Like, I what could have sat there. What inspired you to get a tattoo in such a secretive seeming place? <laughs> I was going for a bit, you know, like, we just like, I want to get a tattoo. Like, I want to mm. get a tattoo, I want to get a tattoo. Um, but it is the Virgo sign, but I've done it a little bit like, um, no, like a bit fancy at the end rather than it just being the ball because it looks a bit like an M. Mm. And then right. and then oh, e. yeah, yeah. So I sort of tried to think it, but now people think it says me. Like, <laughs> like I've tattooed me behind my ear roll. Believe in yourself. But I, I am didn't, me. didn't know you were an astrology babe. <laughs> well, I, I'm a Virgo, yeah. I'm happy to be a Virgo. <laughs> she's gay. Is what, she's <laughs> <laughs> what um what's Lil? What's Lil's star sign? See how uh, she's you a are. Sagittarius. Do you know what that means, Becky? You are no, an astrology don't. queen. No. Oh, Come back sorry. to me. Let us know if we're yeah, compatible. Okay. Do you have a co-star? Seven years. <laughs> Do you have co-star? If you both download it and put in your the time that you were born, it'll, tell you, oh, we, oh, okay. it'll tell you how compatible you <laughs> I'm are. I'm thinking I ain't got a co-star. What's a co-star? <laughs> I'll have a little look. Yeah. yeah, have a look. Anyway, that's enough astrology for today's show. Uh, we, I'm a cancer. <laughs> if anyone wants to match with Becky, she's a cancer. I'm very sensitive. What works well with cancer? Do you know? Uh, I don't know, actually. Okay. Maybe I should find out and only date people. Let's do an astrology Thursday show. We should get an astrologist <laughs> in and we can kind of like deep oh, dive. Oh, wow. A real astrologist. That'd be, that'd be great. Actually, I actually know a real astrologist. <gasps> so get one of in. my good friend's dad is an astrologist. <gasps> oh my God, perfect. Yeah. Have you met him? Cool guy? Interesting. Uh, I have met him. Yeah, he's cool. He used to edit the NME. Uh, you know the friend. It's Jasmine. So Jasmine's oh. dad is an astrologist. Oh, love Jasmine. Great. Get them, get them both <laughs> get them in. Get both on. Yeah, she was really nice to me when I cried at the pub because of my taxes that one time. So <laughs> I'm a big really fan. Funny. Yeah, she was like, "Don't worry, babe. It wasn't HMRC, funny. It will be okay." No, it was just funny the way you were like, "Thanks, I needed that." I was really tired <laughs> in and the upset. Talk. Right on today's show, we're going to be discussing the quarterfinals of the Women's FA Cup. Our little day out at Lewis. Uh, we've also got a few audio snippets from that trip. Very exciting. Uh, we're also going to discuss some of the other games as well as that Lewis tie, but also debrief on that huge news on Friday that Jodie Taylor is back in the WSL. That's all coming up after this. So let's start at Lewis where we were yesterday. A very, very fun day out. It was, it was a big day for Lewis because I think it's the first time they've ever got to the quarterfinals of the Women's FA Cup. A lot of people may be familiar with the fact that they've done a lot of campaigning around FA Cup prize money, not not really just focusing on equal pay for equal pay's sake. It's very much around distribution model and sort of focusing on how the men's and women's FA Cup should match each other with the distribution model so that the 
that teams lower down the pyramid would benefit the most because obviously, as we know, a lot of the time it is going to be one of the top three, top four sides that's going to make it to the final and win it. So it makes the most sense to stagger this prize money to really support the lower tier teams. So they've been pushing on with that campaign. They've recently launched a letter around uh, pushing for change and, and sending that to Karen Carney's Women's Football Review. But yesterday it was their big FA Cup day out at the Dripping Pan. They lost 3-1, Jesse, but they certainly put on quite the performance for their sold-out crowd. Yeah, I think when United scored in the eighth minute, which I'm not going to be able to forget because of the raffle <laughs> context, <laughs> um, I felt like oh, this is going to be such a shame because they'd started so well, right? They had two really good chances. They looked way more up for it than United. They were really on the front foot um, and... Then when United went ahead, you just thought, oh, God, is this going to be one of those games where when the smaller team immediately loses kind of the impetus or, you know, your heads can just go down and, and the game can get away from you. But to Lewis's credit, they, they stayed in the game. I don't know how much of it is to Lewis's credit. I will give credit to Lewis, but I did think United were dire mm. um, and they didn't really have much reason to be because, you know, we said going into the game, they were playing a, a strong team. Um, although I, I thought they improved, they brought Elatoon on at half time. They looked better. They got the second, and then obviously Lewis got their their magical moment um, scoring with fantastic goal as well, uh, which has like literally gone around all of Twitter <laughs> over the past twenty four hours or so. I think. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like Lewis acquitted themselves really well, and I think you could tell how much strength they took from from what it meant to the club, and it was just a really cool thing to you know see like a whole community I guess come together and have that record attendance um it was a proper proper FA Cup tie wasn't it it was it had a little sprinkly of magic for sure Emily Craft scoring that absolute screamer for Lewis bit of a dodgy uh pass or like you know kick out the back from Mary Earp's. Flo was hating on Mary Earp I'm sorry whole... but right Jilly okay <laughs> I feel like there is a bit of a habit creeping into Mary Earps' game. She's a fantastic goalkeeper, right? She Her growth in the last couple of years from being out of the England squad for so long, from considering quitting the game altogether, from going to Wolfsburg and it not quite working out, like her re-rise from the ashes has been tremendous and I give her so much credit for that and she's a great shot stopper. But she has this habit for me of kind of ending up in no man's land, right? Where she's way off her line and she invites a chip or a long-range effort and then she's kind of scrambling a little bit. Now, in this case, she messes up the kick and it falls straight to Emily Craft, who's like just a little bit further from the edge of the box and she kind of looks up, obviously sees up off her line and really nicely kind of dinks one in towards the top corner. But I don't know if you kind of felt like the same sort of thing creeping into a game, or am I being too harsh? No, I wouldn't say you're being too harsh. I mean, obviously, you're talking about, I think, back to the Chelsea goal last year with Sam Kerr, when obviously she was, I mean, she was off her line, but Sam Kerr hit it beautifully. But then, obviously, I do think in, in regards to Mary, like, I, think she's, I think she's a really good goalkeeper, a lovely girl as well, but... I would say that the kicking probably is one side of her game that's probably not as strong as the other side. I think I mentioned it when they played Leicester. I think she'd done a clearance where it was sort of a half-hearted clearance and it dropped to Leicester. Play. There was no Man United player around. So sometimes just when a keeper, when they play attractive football or they're, they're playing for a team that they don't want to play out and stuff, sometimes you just got to be ugly and just put your foot through it. Mm. You know, there's nothing wrong, I think, with kicking it as far as you possibly can down the other end of the pitch. Do you know what I mean? So I would say that's probably one one part, yeah, of her game that she, well, not that she needs to work on, but it's probably her weakness, you know. Yeah, and obviously we see it a lot with England because they do play it back a lot because they want to build build up from the back and build possession that way. But um, yeah, it, it, it it's harsh, but certainly it was Lewis's best opportunity of the game or they had those first couple of chances at the start of the game before United got their goal. For context, the raffle that Jesse mentioned, the person next to us had the winning ticket for uh, a goal being scored in the eighth minute. I don't, I, I don't understand how that raffle works. It was I first just goal say... scorer. Like the minute the first goal was scored. Yeah, yeah. But, but what does that mean in terms of the raffle ticket? What did they win? Hundred quid. She won hundred. Oh quid. wow! It was very exciting. Like I was, I was enjoying being just next to her. Can't yeah. imagine how she felt. And wow. also, she didn't even realise Jesse. 
over her shoulder was like, well, no, I you've think just won. She, I think she was realising, it's just I was realising at the same time that she was doing that thing where you can't quite believe you've won 100 quid, so you're like really looking at it. And then I did the same thing because it was green and then the, the colour of the green was a bit off and I was mm. like, oh my God, what if it's not quite green? But it was. And she, Jilly, she was brought to tears. She I'd have been so buzzing excited. as well. Underpanned, <laughs> didn't it? She was so exciting. But I think that lovely moment just kind of summed up the whole day. And like you say, Jesse, Man United, there is still growing frustration among the fan base. And we met one of those very fans on the train, didn't we, Becky? We did. Who is is part of a kind of growing kind of concern around Mark Skinner and kind of frustration maybe is the best way to put it. But people, a few fans are getting a little bit fed up with lacklustre performances um, and some of them made their feelings clear in yesterday's game. I think that the Chelsea defeat was a big turning point for a lot of them because the manner of the defeat was so frustrating because United offered so little and Skinner didn't really switch things up when he needed to. And I think that's kind of been the story at points of a lot of their season is maybe not making substitutes at the right time, maybe not leaning into the depth that they do have at the right time. Jesse, after the game yesterday, we saw a few comments around... Mark Skinner talking about the performance of Wilderberg Risa, a player he hasn't really played that much since uh, she joined the club. Uh, and there are a few other players who kind of fall in that bracket that the club have spent money on, but he doesn't seem to want to use. And I think that's been a massive frustration for fans as well. He again kind of, you know, was very complimentary of her performance, but said, we want to see signs of that aggression. She scored Manchester United's second goal yesterday. We want to see signs of that aggression every week. Now, you and I have both said that we really like Vilderbo-Risa and we don't know why Mark's going to plays her, but I think it doesn't help his case among some of the fans who are a bit fed up, even though they've had a decent season by all accounts, because he seemingly talks up some of these players in post-matches when they have maybe good cup games and then you won't see a sight of them again or maybe they have a good 10 minutes in the WSL. You won't see them again when perhaps they do need a change in a crucial WSL match like Chelsea. Yeah, it's obvious that there are certain players that Skinner trusts more within this squad and what's hard to figure out from the outside is how much of a say he is having in transfer business. Vilderboa Risa, I think, is a is a difficult one because by all accounts it was a Casey Stoney signing. And so if Mark Skinner doesn't like her, he wasn't involved in that process and that's kind of, you know, up to him. You can then debate the rights or wrongs of that and, and that's that's fine, but it's a separate issue. What's more bizarre I think is when there are players say like Estelle Cascarino or, you know, whoever who've come in, Tunkara as well, who've come in under Skinner and then you never see them play. You're like, well, surely you had something to do with this. But then maybe he didn't. But I guess then the second half of that is, you know, if stuff isn't going your way, being able to make use of your bench, make substitutions and change things is part of what being an elite manager involves. You know, lots of Lots of people can put together a very strong first 11 and how you then use that because it's not going to work every time, I think, is what really distinguishes, you know, good managers from great managers. And I actually think if you look at, say, Gareth Taylor and maybe his development as a manager, that's something that he's got better at, maybe because he was forced to because of when the players left. But I feel like if you look at Gareth Taylor's early seasons, it was very much like, this is my starting eleven, and if any of those players aren't available, that I don't know what to do. Whereas now, I think, I mean, we'll get onto City and Villa, and maybe there are still like concerns about how he he makes subs as well, and you're not always going to get it right. But I think broadly, he's got a lot better at integrating more players in the team. Whereas Skinner clearly either doesn't want to do that or can't do that, and I do think he got a bit spooked by the Chelsea game at the start of the season where he made a load of subs, and then basically the game got away from them. But it's it's a tough one because United's first 11, I am like they're one of my favourite teams to watch in the WSL. And yeah, they lost to Chelsea and they didn't really create much, but they won't be the first or the last team for that to happen to them. So it's it's a bit of a... 
for me, I feel like with the fans, it's a bit of be careful what you wish for because I think they could, there's a lot worse managers that could have the Mark Skinner. Yeah, that that that's definitely right. And I think as well in the, in the cup, I think there's something to be said of sometimes when you do play teams a division lower you kind of have to play to their level like it's going to get scrappy they're going to be direct they're going to play it long you're going to have a lot of the ball and you're sometimes you're not going to know what to do with it because they're going to have a lot of players you've got to get through they might be in a low block they're going to probably have at least two banks of four and there's just a lot of bodies that you've got to work through so I think there's an element of that as well I think the expectation from some of the Manchester United fans yesterday was that they would just blow Lewis away and it'd be like three four five nil and it very much wasn't that sort of game you know you could see that Lewis were getting more comfortable more confidence the game went on and we have to shout out Sophie Whitehouse in the Lewis goal who got the counter press player of the match <laughs> and the official Lewis player of the match phenomenal performance from her it could have been 4-5-0 without her. Uh, she stopped a really good Nikita Paris chance just before Nikita Paris scored. So, I Also, th- can I just say, that's the reality in some ways of being a better team. Like That's what United have kind of earned from their performances, I think, is that other teams will start finding that extra level. Because I feel like sometimes when you're playing teams more who are at your level or you think you could get one over them, you you go into those games with not being like relaxed necessarily, but I feel like when you see, you know, United and they've got all the Euro stars, you know, they've got an argument of being like the most recognisable of the WSL teams because they've got Earps and Toon and Rousseau. Of course, I think you then look to find an extra level because you've got the BBC cameras there. You've got your, your record crowd. So I feel like it's easy, yeah, just to go to the United players like, oh, you should be able to smash these teams because they're like mid-table in the championship. But football doesn't work like that. And in some ways, United deserve that level. They've performed to get that level of respect off a team like Lewis. And everyone wants their magic FA Cup day in the sun, right, Jilly? You've had a couple. Yeah, 100%. I'd like to take some credit as well for that draw because obviously I did pull it <laughs> yes, out of the hand. Yes, I forgot about <laughs> yes, that. Thank you. We um, had a great day out. We had a great day out. fine, guys. Um, so, yeah, but no, it, I think like though that game, I would say, would be more difficult than, say, Chelsea versus Reading because mm. being in that situation where I've been in the team that's the not the underdog and been the one that should go there and really roll over another team and then being in the other end where it's sort of West Ham and you are that underdog going into the games... I think that's that's more difficult sometimes than playing your another WSL team, um, and I think probably people were looking at that as in, obviously there is a chance that there could have been a slip up, um, and there could have been the whole magic of the FA Cup. That was Lewis's Cup final with obviously the crowd, with the the TV and everyone being there. Um, so I think it is even more difficult. And at the end of the day, you've got to be a, a professional performance as well for Man United to get through because it could have been could have been a slip up, you know. Manchester United's next game is at home to Kate Longhurst West Ham. That is on Saturday. And then everything really comes down to that game uh, against Arsenal at home on the 23rd of April, which is going to be massive. Injury concerns as well, because we had our eyes on Maria Torrestotter in a boot and crutches. Breaking news from the scene on that. So that could be a bit of a concern as well. Well, not breaking, but you know. We saw it. <laughs> we were there. We were there. Uh, so that could be a bit of a concern for Mark Skinner. So let's hear some highlights from our big day out. Becky and I en route to Lewis for Lewis Manchester United in the FA Cup. We've just left Victoria. We bumped into a counter-press fan as well on the train. Uh, so good vibes all around. Becky, how are you feeling? I feel great. Oh, I don't sound great. (coughs) Excuse me. I feel great. I'm excited. I'm wearing my new dungarees. That's how exciting today is. Huge day. Um, Flo, what's your prediction? Prediction. I do think Manchester United will win. Lewis are having a bit of an up and down season. And also when you just think about the quality, the international players that Manchester United have, I think it will be 3 0 at the at least, but I think it could be a nervy first half, but then I just think United will eventually find a way through and win quite easily. But I think it's more about the day out today. It's more about the cup final vibes. I know Lewis have worked really hard with a fun fan zone and all those things. So I think they're really just trying to make the most of it and also with their campaign around prize money and stuff like that. It's more the PR. Uh, Rude. (laughs) We're approaching his corridor now. (laughs) 
Trying to record a podcast here, sir. <laughs> Breaking news, everyone. No alcohol at Lewis today because of competition requirements. Shocking. We will be writing to the FA about it after today. I am not concerned about equal prize money in the FA Cup. I am concerned about equal access to alcohol. Equal booze. Equal booze. Right, we've made it to Lewis. Vibes so far, vibe check. Oh, vibes have been. <laughs> Me and Flo have had an argument, but we're friends again. Um, our counterpressed fan on the train did have to witness our entire argument, so if you're listening, sorry. We've made friends again, so. But yeah, we're here at the match. Um, vibes are great. Jesse, you ran here, so vibe check for you. Um, how far did you run? How long did it take you? I ran 20 miles. It took me two hours, 45 minutes, and obviously I turned up here and you two were in a massive argument. <laughs> so. But it's fine, because like any good friends, we have now recovered and we're fine. Football will unite us all. Football will unite us all. Um, and for context, Jesse is training for the marathon, so has to get the mileage in. Two hours, 45, good times. Yeah, I, I was pleased with it. It was a bit hillier than I expected at points. Um, and I did have to run along the A27, which wasn't like quite the idyllic uh, view I wanted. But I said hello to a lot of people on their runs this morning. At That's cute. The dripping pan is absolutely ramo. Um, but the players are coming out now. So we're going to love you and leave you and uh, check in shortly. So, 1-0 to Manchester United. Boo. Unfortunately, there was an own goal. We don't know by who. The PA announcer kept it very generic. It's just saying, goal scored by own goal. Um, but Lewis have been playing well. They had a chance. Lewis yeah. have been better than United. Yeah, so. two chances just before that goal went in. The best chance uh, strike that went just past the post, sadly. Um, good vibes, good soundtrack. They're very much still in this game. Just that quality, really, in front of goal, lacking. But playing well. I'm obsessed with the Lewis goalkeeper. How about you? Yeah, 10 out of 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10, no notes. It's, she's the counterpress player of the match, for sure. <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I dream for our podcast, that one day we'll get to hand out player of the match. We will, we will. This is only the beginning. Do I get a vote? It's yeah. like... Why would you not get a vote? Well, because I... I'm vibes only. That's fine. Yeah, there's a vibe. So, like, there's Have like, you ever <laughs> heard when a commentator gives out a player? It's always vibes only. <laughs> you get the two the two football brains, and then I'll I'll decide on vibes, and then we can all yeah. decide together. Yeah. Great. Perfect. There'll be like Eurovision. There's like a jury's vote. What? Well, <laughs> <laughs> the jury vote. And I say Sophie. You say White House. Sophie. White House. Sophie. White House. She didn't just get counter-press player of the match, she got official Lewis. Lewis. Not as good as counter-press player of the match, obviously. No, she, this is nice one, recognition. counter-press is the one she'll care about. Far less prestigious, but... For sure. Well done, Sophie. Oh, 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 oh. I actually didn't see what happened, but I just am a hater to my core. Well, sadly, Lewis' FA Cup run comes to an end, but there were they were by no means walked over today. They put on a really good show. It wasn't easy for Manchester United. And Lewis can be very proud of themselves. Maggie, not Lewis's day, but great vibes. I think it was Lewis's day. I mean, look, we've never been in the quarterfinals before. The team's made history. They've done us so proud on the pitch there. We got the goal of the day, to be honest. Very true. 
look, I, I can't, I couldn't have asked for anything more from the from the team, from the players. Uh, also from everyone in the backside as well, like from the, the back office to have pulled off what we pulled off. I'm so proud. And we've, it's definitely an attendance record today, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a 2,801. Uh, really, really important because it's a club record as well. So, um, yeah, so for us, that means so much that, that we've, we already hit two records last season. Um, we had two sellouts, but because of the way, again, that the club was able to cater for the safety and security of all the fans last year. I know this sounds really boring, but it's so important for clubs. They were really impressed and allowed us to increase our capacity. So, yeah, that's a massive thing for us as well. And today, for you guys, was also much more about like the wider message around Women's FA Cup prize money. So, have you had a look at the letter that's out was out the front of the fan zone? How many people might have signed it, or even online? Should how many people have signed it already? Well, I know uh, a couple of days ago it was already at more than 500 people having signed it. Um, we put the one out in the fan zone just in case people wanted to, who might not have seen it, could read it and then add their name. I was like, I don't know if we'll get anyone signing it. I looked at it after about 45 minutes of it being out there, and it was completely covered. And I think that shows just how passionately people feel about what the players are standing up for um, and also for just creating a better type of football, a better model of football that allows this kind of game that we've seen today um, elevated even more because yeah for everything that we're putting in it's very hard to keep on driving standards and keep on improving if the money we get really doesn't help us do that. Wembley next year yeah? Oh, well, absolutely. A hundred percent Wembley next year. Well, well done. Brilliant day. And the players did you guys proud. Yeah, they absolutely did. I'm so, I'm so proud of them. So proud of them. So I want to talk about what I considered the second best quarterfinal tie of the weekend. Maybe you guys will disagree with me. It, it did lack some quality, but it still had the drama. So I'm going for Aston Villa against Manchester City. But I, Jesse, I don't know if you would rather pick Chelsea as the second best tie. But I feel like none of these games were really classics of the other three ties. But I don't know how you feel about that. No, I did find Villa City very dull, but it was the last game of a long day. Yeah. So I think that was, and it wasn't the I, highest quality I didn't match. watch it. I enjoyed the drama from like phone updates. That so was the best the, way, that's to, the way to experience do it, yeah. the game, I think. Yeah. yeah, the actual watching was quite <laughs> hard work. Not yeah. helped by that pitch. Oh my oh. gosh. Honestly, actually, yeah. And to add to the great doubt, Lewis, I tweeted about this, but the pitch looked phenomenal, Jesse. Really, really good. And yeah. considering Brisbane Road, which is dire, it's just like a farm field, and Poundland Bescott Arena, or whatever it's called, where Aston Villa play, Walsall's ground, which is a terrible pitch. Is it actually Poundland? Yeah, it's sponsored by Poundland. Wow. Yeah, the Poundland Bescott Stadium. I love that. It's great. It's best best named stadium. <laughs> it's it's Barclays folklore, that. So, yeah, some dire pitches. So, Lewis deserves credit for as well, because it looked brilliant at, you know, a hard point in the season in, in that respect. But anyway... Aston Villa beating Man City 2-1 in extra time. Jilly, did you watch this one? Um, not a classic, we have to say. You know, I was like in and out. Um, I was actually watching only Vols and Horses. That is so on brand. Oh my God. I was watching, I moved from watching the last of the Manchester United Fulham men's FA Cup game. Then I watched... Uh, a weird, really weird film called The Menu. So I was kind of like finishing the game, but similarly, like I was in and out. It didn't have my full attention because it was quite crap. Yeah, well, anyway. So Jesse was the only person that concentrated on this game. So maybe we should just no, give well, Jesse the floor. <laughs> weren't you saying as well you were kind of, no, were you fully or were you in I and recorded out as well? a podcast over the first half hour. Right. So yeah. So and basically, more Villa, dedication than the rest of us. Villa and City, you were not minutes. good enough to give us your full attention. So there you go. I mean, I had to work over it. You guys yeah. were just watching also, on the TV. Also, it was like 120 <laughs> minutes. So you put in there. But... <laughs> but anyway, Jilly, Only Fools and Horses was good. But let's talk about the City game. I had it on the iPad. So I was yes. like flicking yeah. between both. Um, what was happening in Only Fools and Horses? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the Chandelier was... episode. Have you seen that? No. Oh, it's brilliant. Watch it. <laughs> um, so no, so I. I did have it on the iPad. Um, Lil said I weren't allowed it on the big telly. Um, <laughs> God, I love when she puts her foot down. It's like, no, we're having Footballers Wives on the big telly. Exactly. You can watch the FA player on the yeah, iPad. Yeah, I get shifted to the iPad. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I did have it on. Um, obviously saw Chloe Kelly's chance to um, make it 2-1, which she put wide. Um, and then obviously then it was going to extra time. So, But the, 
them t- the volume was down as well. So I was just sort of you know, going back and forth. But mm. um, every time I did look at it, City seemed to be attacking, but were just a bit woeful with their chances that they were, um, or making the wrong decision. I think I saw like Hayley Rasso shot that just she shouldn't have shot. Um, I think Chloe Kelly coming on the on her right and snatched it and rather than putting it across the goal, she sort of put it wide. So I think like City were creating, but it was just another one of them games where they probably could have been there for another probably half an hour or till till midnight and still wouldn't have scored. Um, but I did, um, I missed all three goals, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I, felt, I felt exactly the same with, it was just kind of felt like one of those days for City. They could have had one or two goals in the first 20 minutes, then Villa get that goal that I was very annoyed about because the timeline or Villa's social media was acting like it was a Rachel Causey screamer and they were like, Scotland's like finest does You're it again, etc. etc. He's excited. They'd gone one nil up against you. You are just a hater. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, is there anything that makes you yes. excited and happy in football? Yes, I've talked about it before on this Lewis's podcast. Lewis's pitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's the finer things. Uh, not not a legendary performance, and I actually thought Rachel Corsi was great. Absolute captain. Rachel Corsi, captain, leader, legend. <laughs> Rachel Corsi put in a great performance, but Jesse Villa are now Manchester City's bogey team non-stop. That's it. I know, and I do wonder if that's why City struggled. That they just had in the back of their heads that they hadn't beaten them yet this season because. Definitely in terms of if you take the actual goals out of it, all three of which were pretty scrappy, City created the better chances. And I guess as you would expect, given the higher quality of their players, probably should have won this. But yeah, I think even moments like when Chloe Kelly went through on goal, it just felt like maybe there wasn't that... The nervousness that came into the game came in very quickly. And obviously Mm -hmm. going behind will do that to you, but... Again, before the game, I said I felt like it needed to be one where Bunny Shaw wasn't profligate and she just put the goals away. And as soon as the chances started to be missed, I thought, ooh, because that's just when you started to think, oh, they're going to start freaking out. And and they did freak out. And maybe this was a a case as well where where Gareth Taylor could have done more with his subs. You know, he did wait a long time and I felt like, given the quality that City have on their bench compared to Villa... There was an opportunity there to kind of take the impetus and really push, even if it meant, you know, altering your team and and potentially disrupting it for a bit, but to go early and to go hard with the quality of players you had. And I felt like he kind of chickened out of doing that maybe because he felt like it was more likely for something to come with, with you know, kind of Kelly Hemp and um, Bunny on the pitch. But yeah, it's a big, big miss for City to, to not, make it to the semi-finals. Yeah, they've done well in this competition in recent years. And like you say, it was kind of a battle of the number nines. And Bunny didn't, you know, Bunny Shaw struggled in that game. And it was just one of those nights where nothing seems to go right. And Rachel Daly, even before she got that winner, which, you know, was tapped in from a few yards out, but she'd had some good chances. Like she was looking fresh. She was looking hungrier than Bunny Shaw was. And you just felt like... As it went on and on and on, I felt like City were the team that kind of wanted it to go to pens and Villa perhaps were the ones that were going to find a way to win. And they did. And it's a massive result for them in a season where they just keep pushing and pushing and getting better and better. And I, you know, so much of that is down to having someone like Rachel Daly, right? Um, Because she can just transform your season by just having a consistent goal scorer, Jilly. Like so many teams in men's and women's football, they lack that consistent, reliable number nine who you know, not even just creating the chances in terms of like putting a ball into the box, but Daly scored long-range effort this, efforts this season. She scored a little bit of everything. It's like just having that player you can rely on to score goals, it can change everything. Yeah, because I think if, if Leicester had a, had a goal scorer, I don't think they would be in the position that they're in now. Um, so yeah, and I think... Rach is so key to Villa. You know, obviously I've played against her. I played with her when she was with us at West Ham and she changed it for us at West Ham because we just had that outlet. Like she just for 90 minutes will just run and run and she'll always offer. She always wants the ball and she created a lot for us at West Ham, whether it be when she was wide um, with the crosses coming in or when she was in the box heading and finishing. Like 
you know that she's going to be there to to create stuff. She's always going to be alive to things. So, yeah, and, and I think as the more they're playing with each other, um, obviously we talk about Man City with their relationships and being given time to build. And I think it's the same with Villa because when Villa played Liverpool, um, at Liverpool's ground this year when I was there, I think Liverpool, we was better than Villa. And I think really they created one chance. Well, it wasn't really a chance. They created one thing, which was the penalty. Um but I don't think they didn't really create much else that game. So I think if you're looking at that to the team that they are now, obviously they've brought players in. But I think the players that were there before the transfer window, you can now see their relationships are really starting to show. But having a person that you know, you look at Beth England with, with Tottenham, like the the goal she scored the other night, very similar to Rach, I think, where they're that sort of player where they'll take that risk and have a shot from 30, 40 yards out and there's a good chance that it will go in. There's times when they won't hit the target, but there are times when it will come off. So, yeah, I think that Villa having Rach Daly is huge for them. And an insane stat from Tom Gary yesterday that this is the first time since February 2013 that Manchester City have been knocked out of the Women's FA Cup by a team not called Chelsea. Ever since turning professional, they've either won the cup or lost to Chelsea, wow. and yeah, that is just insane. Just that little smug face. It's <laughs> quite a fun stat, isn't it, uh, for Chelsea? Um, yeah, I mean it is, and it, it's just exciting, isn't it? That I think you know, obviously, Villa are gonna come, you know, quite a far away fifth this season in the WSL, but they've shown they've got the level that in a knockout competition that they can cause teams problems, and you know when the right honourable Jilly Flatty did the draw, (laughs) I felt like, oh, you know, this was the worst draw City could get because they hadn't beaten Villa yet this season. And and that's testament to Villa's quality throughout the year. Like, this isn't one-off. They've got into City's heads because of how they've performed in the previous two games they've, they've played against them. And yeah, I think, you know, for Villa and United reaching the FA Cup semi-finals, it's it's a really exciting moment, you know, to to have four teams at, at the end of the competition and and only one of them be, you know, the traditional top three. I think just shows how far women's football in the WSL this season has has come, and it's it's easy to say, oh, it's always like taking the next step forward, but I think it feels really really stark. Obviously, Chelsea. Are, knocked out Arsenal so that's kind of like a fluke of the draw but it just genuinely does feel like the, the teams that are there are, are coming from a place where it's not one-offs you know like these are are good teams and some of them have had easier or harder draws but it doesn't feel like we're going to go back to next year and then it will just be like how it was before I feel like obviously United and Villa will continue to compete at that kind of level in knockout competitions. Yeah for sure and the draw, we should say, is happening tomorrow at 9.15. We can't confirm whether Jilly Fatty will be involved. I can't either. <laughs> it looks like it that Jilly won't be, but you never know. Call her up, BBC. Yeah. Uh, and we imagine it's probably happening on one of those kind of early morning BBC shows. So we'll wait to see about that. The other tie I want to talk about briefly that you watched while we were at Lewis, we were kind of keeping an eye, and then you finished it uh, in the pub as Becky and I went and caught our train. That was, was a big mistake, by the way. I got caught with all the Brighton fans, didn't oh, I? No. I was a fool. I was a fool. Mm. But all for the love of the game, all for the love of the girls. So, <laughs> you know, Chelsea Women's FC, I sacrificed a lot for you yesterday. What I mainly want to talk about with this, Jesse, is the fact it was a very freestyling starting 11 from Emma Hayes. We had no idea. We looked at the team sheet while we were watching the Lewis game and kind of had no idea who was going to start in the nine. No idea about a lot of the other things that were going on. Also, Abdelina getting a rare start, a huge, like, historic day. But obviously, Emma Hayes had one eye on Leon uh, in the week. So you can understand that she made quite a lot of changes and rested a few players, some big names not even in the matchday squad. It paid off. They got through. They did the job done. How did you feel about the real freestyling kind of let's just throw 11 players out and see what happens? Yeah, I mean, it was very much a needs must, which is also a bit concerning, I think, looking ahead to Leon, like not really being, you know, what Emma Hayes is like, it's never easy to kind of figure out what's actually wrong with players and whether they are injured or ill or whether, you know, it's just all part of a funny game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I did think it was all a bit 
you know, like when you looked at the bench and there's, there's four academy players, all of which got on, to be fair, um, it doesn't necessarily fill your confidence ahead of going to play the Champions League winners uh, in a couple of days' time. But the the vibes were fun, which maybe is what you want from an FA Cup quarterfinal against Reading. Listen, I I was like, I have, I can't miss a minute because I need to figure out what's going on. <laughs> Guru Reiter's number puzzle. nine, goal, assist, won a penalty. Maybe we should keep her there. Sam Kerr needs to worry. <laughs> um, yeah, Maren Mieldra in midfield as an eight. That was strange. Also, Adelina got an assist. And yeah, all, My our, girl. all of our academy players got on. So a bit nervy at the back at points. Um, Sana Trollsgaard was running around like, oh, a woman who meant business. Fair play to her. <laughs> she like literally grabbed Sophie Ingle by the neck at one point. So, you know, magic of the cup. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Chelsea scored... In the 23rd and 25th minute, and then it kind of felt like that was the game wrapped up. Well, we'll be reflecting on how Chelsea get on in that game against Leon on Thursday's show. We're going to have Mr. Ryan Hun from Stadio, from the Righty's House Universe, joining us on Thursday as well to talk about that game. Oh my God, a boy. I know. <laughs> Ooh, cooties. Um, <laughs> and also get a few updates from Jesse, who's going to be live on the scene, slash, you know, voice notes. Won't be like live updates. It's going to be but... 20 degrees in Leon, guys. I am so buzzing. Wow. Buzzin'. So jealous. <laughs> wow, pack your shorts. I know. Good for Sam Kerr was my four. But then I was like, oh my God, what if everyone's acclimatised it being like three degrees and then everyone's too tired from running around in the heat? I think that's going to be the least, I think the temperature's going to be the least of your worries, really. I think, I think you can forget about that. Uh, the other uh, tie, we'll, we'll round it up though, but I, none of us really caught much this game because obviously there's a lot going on, was Brighton's 2-0 win over Birmingham. Birmingham being going pretty well in this competition, defeated Everton as well on their way to the quarterfinals, but not to be frustrating because, Jilly, they actually could have had a couple of goals in this, so they'll probably be a, a, a bit disappointed they didn't have anything to show for it in the end. Yeah, I mean, I watched the first 45. Um, I think, obviously, Poppy Patterson scored direct from the corner, which I think oh, it's difficult for a goalkeeper, and I don't really think she meant to do that. Um, but... Yeah, the goalie sort of helped. Does it anyone in. mean to score from the corner though? Katie Zellin well, yeah, does, yeah. and I think Alex Greenwood sometimes tries it as well. You know, yeah. with the whips in. Yeah. Um, but I think she's just meant to put it in a dangerous area, mm. and the keeper just. Bob Madsen maybe not the same level. as Those <laughs> other two names. <laughs> hey, she's just scored from a corner. Give her a props. Um, and then the second one was a penalty, which I think was harsh. Yeah, ref's corner, Jilly's corner for referees. You were not happy about Jilly this. Jilly has so many corners. I know. <laughs> Multi-talented woman. You weren't happy with it's this, It's always me hating on people as well, but no, yeah, I think it was a very harsh um, penalty. I think it was just shoulder to shoulder. Uh, Brie Vazali, who played with us at West Ham, um, flew over. So it was, um, <laughs> it was a, yeah, I think it was harsh on Birmingham, but Birmingham did create chances um, and they did look dangerous, to be fair. I didn't really think Brighton looked that great. Um, I was gutted, really, because I thought Birmingham might have done the job against Brighton. Um, and yeah, I think it'd been, it'd been good to see him in the semis, but it weren't meant to be. Yeah, not to be, but the teams going through to the big draw on Tuesday morning that may or may not involve Jilly Flatty is <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> Brighton, Manchester United and Aston Villa. So, I mean, any of those combos is going to be very exciting. Who's your dream final? Oh, not Jesse, because Jesse has a, obviously wants it to be Chelsea. Chelsea, Manchester United, I think is what everyone would like to see, you know, mm. even though I think Chelsea I would think still Vi win I it. think Villa, Man United, because I think that's a bit more like, ooh, who's going to win? Mm. I, I think, think Chelsea, Villa would be fun, personally. I think I, I would just be really disappointed because I feel like I'd hype up Chelsea, Manchester United. It would end up being a really yeah. disappointing <laughs> game. It'd be such an easy win for, for Chelsea. Jilly, have you got a, a preference? Um, I don't really think I'd like to see Villa there. To be honest with you, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Not like it is. Yeah, I wouldn't. Hey so, um, I love it. <laughs> no, yeah, I wouldn't. So I will go with Chelsea Manu. We'll wait to see what happens. What we've got to get on to before we go is the massive news that dropped on Friday afternoon that took everyone by surprise. A player that was linked to Arsenal back in January, but no one quite knew if it was actually true or it was just some kind of random rumours. She ended up signing... For Arsenal, coming back to a club she spent a bit of time at, Jodie Taylor, who's been out of the WSL for some time. She's been playing in America. She was playing in France for a bit. 
They've signed her. She's 36. She's in no doubt coming towards the end of her career. (laughs) She's been coming to the end of her career since about 2017. (laughs) Savage. 2017 was when she was... That was her peak. That was her peak. But it was a bit of an Indian summer, wasn't it? It kind of came out of nowhere. Also, didn't she score a hat-trick in that game against Scotland, which sort of inflated her golden boot? She was very good at that Euros. She was very good at those Euros, but that kind of helped her get the golden boot. Um, scoring goals helps someone get the golden boot breaking news <laughs> or as we get it <laughs> um, but yeah a, a, a signing no one saw coming a signing that we have to be honest did not go down well with Arsenal fans <laughs> I spent so long in the quote tweets the quote tweets of I Arsenal's announcement yeah, was, Jody, stay off Twitter well I, she doesn't have Twitter oh, thank great. god I did see that in the quote tweets too being like <laughs> Jodie I'm glad you don't have Twitter hard yeah, I think there were maybe like 80 quote tweets on that announcement post and none of them were that oh, positive. Oh, it was more, more than, that. than that. Okay, so even more than that. After the shambles of the January transfer window when they were briefly linked to Alessio Russo and Signa Brun and obviously that didn't work out, they could have the opportunity to bring Taylor in on a free. But Jilly, like, you, you, she's someone that you've crossed over with throughout your career, but... You must have been surprised by this move. No, I was. Yeah, I was. I was surprised because I thought when she left San Diego, I thought she was going to retire um, because obviously I know she hadn't played a lot. But I just want to shout out the Liverpool fan who tweeted <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal now copying Liverpool's transfer policy and signing grannies. That is their exact words. So, um, yeah, and I know that was the dig at me and, and probably signing Bonner and Tash Dowie too. But, um <laughs> Yeah. Granny Club, <laughs> Granny, the, the OAP Club, um, OAPFC. <laughs> I'm the captain of it. Um, but yeah, no, I think I, I genuinely thought she was going to retire because I think she's obviously struggled a lot with injuries the last few years. Um, I don't, we were saying earlier when it is, if she's going to be used as a player to maybe keep um, Blackstinius fresh, so like she ain't got to play in maybe the games that they should be winning anyway. Um, then user, hopefully she does stay fit. Um, but I don't know whether maybe not playing a lot of football and then coming into the WSL that obviously are full on in the season as well. Um, so I don't know how what she's like fitness wise um, because of that. So I mean I, I think it's a it's an interesting signing. Um, and then the people saying about obviously she's going to be a really good character in the change. She's a lovely girl, but. Obviously, I've not played with her for a while, but when I was with her at England, like, she weren't really a player that was that sort of screaming and shouting or leading sort of. So I don't know what she will bring in that side of things as well. But um, hopefully she, she stays fit. She gets goals for Arsenal and she helps them out. Yeah, and she, she might, you know, the, the, with the opportunities that Arsenal do often create, having that extra body, Jesse, won't necessarily hurt. I suppose there's concerns, like Jilly said, around fitness and how she kind of drops into the peak of a season having only done individual kind of one-on-one coaching and things like that it's not going to be easy but if she is just going to get 10 minutes at the end of games it's kind of like might as well throw the dice but it does just still quite feel quite random from an Arsenal perspective though it's kind of a win-win situation you've signed her till the end of the season presumably you're paying her peanuts so what does it matter? Like, she's available if you need her. It is kind of bizarre when you think about the number of games she could play because, what, we've got seven or eight games left of the WSL season. Arsenal still have to play City, United and Chelsea again. So let's say she probably won't play three of those. So she, she can't play in the Champions League. So she's got about five games that you'd think she might get minutes in. But, yeah... It's probably done more more bad things for Arsenal's reputation <laughs> than it has in any real footballing sense been an issue because it doesn't matter if she doesn't play and she's not going to be used in... She's she's like an option in case something goes wrong, right? In case there is another injury. And, you know, I know it's not entirely clear what's up with Steph Catley right now. And maybe that's a consideration as well if you think you're going to have to use Kate McKay but at left back for the rest of the season, um, that you want another you know, body and attack as a result. So 
It's, it is funny though. Seems like it might be a bit of a transitional role for her in like she's going to retire at some point and going back to a club that she has played for before and could potentially then move into a non-playing yeah. role. Yeah, the idea is definitely that she'll be doing some coaching because mm-hmm. um, that's where she sort of sees her future. So I think that will there'll be some of that alongside it, likely in the younger age groups, which, you know, some players are already doing that anyway. But it does just, I think... To what you said, Jesse, obviously Arsenal fans are ambitious. They know they've got a big budget and they have certain players that they imagine will be arriving on that budget. And this is certainly not one of those. And I think, like you say, it's it's a, one of those moments where everyone was kind of laughing at them and they obviously don't like that. Or they were laughing at themselves, to be honest. And after tweeting about the fact that Kim Kardashian's kids were wearing Katie McCabe and Viv Miedemar shirts on the Thursday night watching Arsenal men in the Europa. This was a hilarious crash back down yeah, to and My favourite tweet of the week was someone had tweeted like um, about the Kim Kardashian Katie McCabe shirts like Arsenal Women's FC we are massive and then when they announced Jamie Taylor just like a picture of someone like applying clown makeup. <laughs> yeah, I tweeted saying like you were massive for less than 24 hours. Uh, but yeah, like, it, it could be a win-win. It it, you know she's not going to be taking up a lot of space on the wage bill she's not there for very long worst case she gets no goals I mean you know it's she same... gets no minutes and she gets no goals like yeah that. like Tobin Heath wasn't exactly a roaring success and there was a similar situation there with she spent most of the time injured she didn't play a full 90 minutes for, for entire this t- is the first time there. Jodie Taylor's ever been compared to Tobin Heath <laughs> well yeah true I mean that is so sorry but the, the problem is for me and the frustration for the Arsenal fans is I feel like it contributes to this general sense that the transfer policy isn't very well put together because it's the middle of March. You know, this isn't a player who you've just picked up right right at the end of the like January transfer window. She got she decided to be released from San Diego at, in February because I did a funny tweet about it, which I went back and found <laughs> saying bring her home at the side of L and he listened to me. Um <laughs> But that's the problem, right? Is is going through all those different strikers towards the end of January when you knew Mida Miedemar were out in November slash December. It's picking someone up in the middle of March who is not a player who's played at a high level for a very, very long time. It all just contributes to this feeling that whatever's going on in Arsenal's front office isn't very well planned. No, that's definitely what I think a lot of the fans think and and they're getting more and more frustrated as the season goes on, but we'll have to wait and see what happens there. We will be back on Thursday with our Champions League review, uh, with our special guest Ryan Hunt in the building. But for now, we will love you and leave you and see you on Thursday.